Welcome to the Unstoppable Grit Podcast, where we dive into the mindset shifts and practical tools to help you break through the roadblocks standing between you and achieving your goals. I'm your host, Danielle Kobo, a former Fortune 500 senior sales manager who spent 15 years in the medical device industry and now the best-selling author of the book, Unstoppable Grit. Think of this podcast as your go-to source for career advice and burnout prevention strategies to help you build a career and life you love. Now let's get started. How often do you feel sluggish at work? Tired and having a hard time focusing? Perhaps you're not getting enough sleep or quality sleep and it's affecting your energy, focus, and productivity at work. In today's episode, we are going to discuss how lack of sleep impacts our performance at work and how to establish a good work-sleep balance. My guest today is Terry Crawley. She's a certified in clinical sleep health and a certified professional in healthcare quality based in Washington, D.C. She is the co-author of Sleeping Your Way to the Top, How to Get the Sleep You Need to Succeed the ultimate guide to success through sufficient sleep. Terry is a spokesperson for the Better Sleep Council and works with a variety of organizations throughout the U.S. to promote sleep health and wellness for people of all ages. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, full-time workers spend about, on average, eight and a half hours a day at work. In the State of America Sleep Study, people in the workplace and the workforce sleep about 6.84 hours on average at night. That means we spend about 100 more minutes on the clock than in bed every day. And we're getting far less than that seven to eight hours of sleep that we're told we're supposed to have. It's likely that working parents, I guess, are probably even having fewer quality hours of sleep. I know firsthand to a mom of five-year-old twins, this is an area sometimes (laughs) I struggle with. Thank you so much for joining, Terry. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here with you. Okay, so let's talk about sleep. I know we're supposed to have seven to eight hours of sleep, but how does lack of sleep affect our performance at work? Okay, well, we don't have enough time to go over all the ways because it's so important. And I think a lot of people just sort of look at sleep as being sleepy at work, but we're not looking at a lack of sleep in totality because a lack of sleep affects everything from your productivity, performance. I mean, really every aspect of your functioning, but it affects how you communicate with your colleagues. It affects your outlook, your motivation. It affects your feelings of stress. I mean, you'll feel more stressed out when you're deficient in sleep. I mean, for sure. It affects teamwork. It affects job retention, job satisfaction, well-rested workers like their jobs more. I mean, well-rested people in general have a better attitude. They have more energy, more vitality. They're more creative. They're happier people. And it's so hard, Danielle, to get the message out because it's a disregard for sleep and the need for sleep. I think we look at it as a weakness. I think we look at it as sort of the opposite of the work ethic and being motivated and ambitious. And it's not. It's a biological necessity, a biological requirement. We have just like drinking water I mean, we wouldn't try to get on by walk around thirsty all the time, needing hydration, but we're doing that with sleep. So we're disregarding it. We see it as a weakness. A lot of people do, and we're not prioritizing it. So I think when people start looking at sleep in a different light, they'll see their work 
every aspect of their work and every aspect of their functioning in and outside of work will change dramatically if they're not getting the sleep they need. It's so important that I tell people, reverse engineer your day. Seven to nine hours is the requirement for most adults. Now, there are short sleepers who have a genetic variant. They can get by with, say, oh, maybe five hours and not have any ill effect. But that is less than 1% of the total population. The rest of us need that seven to nine hours. And you know what? We need it every single day of the week, not just don't undersleep during the week and then try to make up for it on weekends. We need it every single day because it's affecting and impacting every single thing we do. Society focuses a lot when it comes to what we should eat and drinking water and exercising. Mm -hmm. And seems like this is the element that we're missing in education. We focus oh, a lot yes. on what we should eat. There's probably hundreds of diets mm -hmm. out there and mm -hmm. talking about the importance of fueling your body with healthy foods, but we rarely talk about sleep. And I'm glad that you're going to be talking about the different ways that we can improve our sleep. You've shared that we need about seven to nine hours of sleep, but how can we establish a good working sleep habit that works for us so that we can be our optimal best self and be more productive and happy and motivated throughout the day? We have to change your thinking. You have to realize sleep is not sufficient sleep. It's not an obstacle to success. And I find so many people in my seminars and workshops trade their sleep hours for waking hours because they're under a very false premise of, I need to get more done. I'm running behind, so I'll sleep less and do more. And I say, nope, exactly the wrong formula. You will do more, do it better, more efficiently, and with fewer errors if you get that sleep. Again, flip the script and really schedule that seven to nine hours, whatever it takes in your life. If you have to delegate things, you really sometimes for some people, it's a huge change in their personal dynamic, their family dynamic, in work dynamic to get all of this switched around. If we put sleep first, prioritize it and be very unapologetic for your need It's for sleep because it's not a weakness on any level. It's what we need to be our best. I mean, a well-rested worker is what you want. A tired worker is more likely to have an on-the-job accident or injury. A tired worker is more prone to substance abuse and more prone to family discord, marital problems. And just job burnout, of course, is a huge problem with tired people that aren't getting enough sleep. So we really have to have a change in the way we perceive sleep. And then, of course, there are strategies. And a lot of us have heard the good sleep hygiene strategies over and over again. But it's hard to really get people to utilize those if they're sort of not on board with a different way of looking at sleep and realizing it's your friend, not your foe. Absolutely, your life will be better. Every aspect of your functioning, your physical health, your psychological health will just have immediate benefits from sufficient sleep. If you haven't been getting it, some people lose a point of reference. But besides the health, we have to look at all the other things, like I already mentioned, motivation, outlook, just being optimistic, being grateful, just having a sort of a different take, having energy. And when you mentioned diet, I have so many inquiries. I've tried all these diets and I'm not losing weight. Just as a registered nurse, I get some of that. And I say, well, how's your sleep? And then I get, it's across the board, LOL, who has time for sleep? And that's where I'm saying this is the problem, that you can't have that attitude. Sleep deprivation and obesity are parallel epidemics. We're seeing a rise in obesity because we're seeing a decline in sleep. We've got to get rid of those electronics at night. We have to have a bedtime routine, just like our kids need them. We need them. 
And we have to just really conform to that and realize it's transitioning your mind and body from wake to sleep and make that a priority and look at your sleep environment. Is it really optimal for sleeping? Because the function of the bedroom is for sleep and romance only. Don't bring your work in there. Don't have your baskets of unfolded laundry in your line of sight. All these things are distracting. But if we're focused on sleep health and leading a sleep healthy lifestyle, just a few tweaks can really change things. Now, I ran into a couple recently. They've had the same mattress for 36 years. But again, it's sort of that LOL, who has time for sleep, who sleeps, I don't sleep. But then I start drilling down. I ask them about everything because everything impacts sleep. And then I get to the 36 years or you know, <laughs> just like, wait, no, no, this is your sleep surface. You're on it for 56 hours a week. Again, I think that's just reflecting our disregard for sleep in general. And like you say, we do pay attention to diet and exercise, but we don't pay attention to sleep. And sleep is not one of the three pillars of health and wellness. It's the foundation because diet and exercise completely dependent upon sleep. We will be right back to today's episode. Perhaps you want to increase your income, get promoted or launch a business. You may be feeling overwhelmed, lost and seeking a sense of purpose and clarity in your career. It's easy to feel stuck when you don't know where you're going or how to get there. How would you feel knowing exactly what steps to take and how to get there? In the show notes, you will find a link to free workbooks with actionable steps to accelerate your career, prevent burnout, and launch your own business. Does your company have a goal in mind and want a high quality speaker with motivational style? Click the link to set up a time to discuss me speaking at your next event. Thanks for tuning in and back to today's episode. Before we dive into the mattress, because I definitely have the question on how often we should change the mattress. My nickname growing up was Sleeping Beauty. So I've always been an advocate <laughs> for sleep. I know that my body needs eight right. hours of sleep to function. Right. And that was a big realization when I had twins and was getting yes. no sleep. But there's three habits that I've established in my routine to help provide optimal sleep that I found mm -hmm. to be extremely beneficial. The one is no TV in my bedroom. We actually only have two TVs in our entire house, one in the living room and one in the outside. So we don't have a TV in our bedroom. I have a reminder on my phone to turn off my phone and social media an hour before I go to bed. So it kind of pops up reminder, time to go to bed. My second habit is I read before I go mm -hmm. to bed. I'm reading mm -hmm. Jenna Kutcher's book, How Are You Really? It's very lighthearted very inspiring. I go to bed not thinking about work. I go to bed thinking about the happy things I'm reading in a book. And the third habit that I've established that has helped my quality of sleep, or I would say the productiveness throughout my day is when my alarm goes off, I'm up. I don't snooze my alarm because what I found is when we snooze our alarm, we're not giving our body enough time to go into that REM sleep, the rapid eye movement sleep, which is mm -hmm. the deepest quality of sleep. And we end up waking up and feeling sluggish throughout the day. And that sluggishness can last about two to four hours throughout our day. Those are three habits that I've implemented to my life where I've seen a significant improvement in my energy and motivation and quality of sleep. Right. Those are wonderful and often recommended. And we've been talking to people about having a bedtime alarm as well. And you mentioned that with your phone. 
but it even helps with the kids. But just having that alarm go off is sort of, I always call it good cop, bad cop. Telling kids they have to go to bed, it's a tall order for these little ones to, oh, okay, I want to empower them in the process, let them make choices wherever possible. If they can possibly pick out the pajamas, what's age appropriate, but if they can choose the pajamas, choose one book, things like that to get them involved in the process. But that bedtime alarm, it's not you saying now it's time that alarm goes off in the background and it can just, there's the alarm. Let's go. Works for both. We have bedtime procrastination is a huge problem for people between social media and some good TV shows and and things like that. I love what you say though. Let's just drop those electronics. That media curfew is essential. I like to remind people, don't get ready for bed in bright lights. And the same thing holds true for the kids. Some bathrooms are lit up like Hollywood makeup mirrors everywhere and bright overhead lighting. And I see parents struggle with that bright light alerts them. And then even the peppermint toothpaste alerts them. It's like, oh, okay, now I'm ready for bed and I'm wide awake. I found citrus toothpaste is much milder and less like, oh my God, that's my nighttime flavor. I would keep the lights low and I've seen kids, they get in the bathtub, bright lights and a million toys and it's just a three ring circus. Trying to limit the toys and sort of the, (laughs) I mean, kind of just rain that in a little bit and just make it a little quieter. That goes a long way, of course. And then I've always talked to people of all ages about three good things, which is again, along the lines of what you said, list or write or recite or share three good things that happen to you during your waking hours with each other, just to yourself, with your partner, with your child, anything like that. But it kind of sets the tone. And I do tell people, I know work pressures, a lot of people bring work home with them, think about work. And it's that funny thing that happens when you put your head on the pillow, all of a sudden your mind starts racing and you're thinking of things, oh my God, this and that. One really neat thing that I found is helpful is write a list at the end of the workday. I mean, just physically writing out a list For some reason, Daniel, things look a little more manageable. When you just eyeball it on paper, you've gone through the exercise of writing it out. It just doesn't look as overwhelming. So then when you lie your head down, it's a little easier. We also tell people, this sounds counterintuitive, but we say, don't try to fall asleep. Because if you try to sleep, that can be a little nerve wracking. If it takes a few minutes and then you're like, I'm not asleep, I'm not asleep. Instead, make the goal just to relax. When you relax and do everything, whether it's a bubble bath or anything you do at night, yoga, meditation, journaling, reading that helps you relax, sleep will follow if you're in a relaxed state. And one thing that kind of happens a little earlier, and this has been a big bone of contention, especially with working moms with the little ones, we feel like if we don't get that to the gym at 6 a.m., we're just not getting that exercise that we need during the day. And exercise begets high quality sleep. High quality sleep begets exercise the next day. It's a wonderful bi-directional relationship. So I tell people that don't get frustrated. If you can't get to the gym at six, guess what? It doesn't matter. 10 minute walk at lunchtime will help your sleep quality that night. And I am a gym rat, but I do it in the evening. And I have a lot of company at night in the gym and evening and even early nighttime sleep. Some studies have come out saying that does not ruin your sleep. I think that's sort of been the consensus for a while. Don't do it after the afternoon. You shouldn't exercise. But it just depends on our body clocks and our propensity. I'm a night owl, love nighttime sleep, and then I go to sleep fine and dandy. Experiment with different times. But exercise is so critical to good sleep. And when you get that sleep, you are motivated to exercise. 
You have energy to exercise. You have a great outlet. Look, and you're going to be so much farther in being healthy and having a healthy weight if you follow those recommendations. Okay, so I have two questions for you. One is, how often should we switch our mattress, get a new mattress? And my second Mm -hmm. question is, when we are feeling sluggish at work, let's say we've had one of those nights, kids get sick or we're restless or whatever that is, we don't get a quality night sleep. What can we do when we feel sluggish the next day? Are there any tools, recommendations that you have for us if we've got those sluggish days? First question is a mattress, second one's a sluggish (laughs) Okay, I'll try to be brief. Yeah, don't discount the sleep surface, of course. This is a huge component of our healthy sleep lifestyle. I would every eight to 10 years reassess. It could be sooner, could be later, depending on body type and the type of mattress you get. But it's very important. The pillow is a bed for your head. Also important, they kind of go together. A great mattress and a bad pillow don't work. But I think it's one of those things, before it's bedtime and lights out, spend some time in your bedroom doing a little bedroom optimization and look at those things. And if you sort of have a vague feeling of, oh, I'm not quite sleeping like I used to, or yeah, people will just chalk it up to age and everything. Don't do that. You should be sleeping well. But look at the mattress. I mean, sometimes it's the last thing people look at. And then they'll go, oh, wow, I hadn't even thought of that. So it's not an indefinite lifespan. And you'd be surprised at the new technology, new materials. And I don't know why people think it's just no fun to go mattress shopping. I love it. (laughs) I think it's a hoot. Anyway, that's a good thing. When it comes to mattresses, I'm coming up on my 10-year anniversary in a couple months. I would imagine it's about time for me to get a new mattress. So thank you for that question. Start looking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I look forward to mattress shopping. I want yeah. one of those adjustable ones. You know, oh, they're best. When he's they're starting best. to snore, you can adjust them up. <laughs> the second question I had is when you're feeling sluggish at work, what yeah. tips do you have for us? Move. You've got to move. Get up and move. Walk around. Get some light. Stay hydrated, for sure. Peppermint, chewing gum, things like that. But be very careful because I do want to say on a very serious note, drowsy driving is as dangerous as drunk driving. And people think I can roll down the windows, chew ice, things like that. I'll be okay. No, you won't be okay because we have something called microsleeps. Your brain shuts off. We are not in control of that on any level. And when we get past a certain point, I mean, I know people have told me they've been on a highway and then all of a sudden they don't even recognize where they are. And they probably had microsleeps incredibly dangerous. Again, I'm so strongly opinionated about be very unapologetic for your need for sleep or for being too tired. And if you're too tired to drive or do something, ask for a ride. Look at it as drinking too much. Talk to a colleague. We have buddy systems in some workplaces where I can note if one of my colleagues is doing the head nodding, is doing the constant yawning, blinking their eyes. There's some very overt signs of being very sleep deprived, as well as some more subtle ones. Keep an eye out for each other. If you know someone has to drive a delivery truck and they look incredibly tired, just speak up. It's just one of those things we have to look out for each other and we have to make sure some places where I help with the employees have nap rooms. I think those are a great idea. And I think people that have adopted those don't find any problem with people abusing them. I mean, look at new mothers who we can't control when our babies are crying at night or teething or the dog is barking next door and keeps us up. But nap rooms are fabulous for sure. Again, it's just, we have to talk about sleep openly and realistically and as the biological need and work around any problems we have 
And this is a great place to add. You should always address sleep with your healthcare provider at every visit. Don't ignore sleep problems. If there's a sign of a sleep disorder anywhere in there, you may not think there is one. That's why I always say, just bring it up. Sleep is a vital sign. It truly is. It's so fundamental to our overall functioning, our general well-being, and our quality of life. It's that important where it should be brought up. And we really have to look at ourselves and in workplace and make sufficient sleep a personal, a family, a classroom, and a workplace value if we're to be our very best. Wow, you've shared so many pearls of wisdom about sleep. And I appreciate you joining in because as you've said, sleep is vital to the well-being, just as important as drinking plenty of water, just as important Mm -hmm. as what we eat and exercising. What are three things you want to leave, three pearls of wisdom advice that you want to leave our audience with that they can implement today from our conversation? I think it's real important because when one family member isn't sleeping well, no one else is. I think it's really important to reframe sleep. Everyone in the family should have a positive outlook. I would always, always portray sleep in a positive light. Even children understand sports teams now have sleep experts on staff because you know why they want to win and sleep leads to winning. Kids understand batteries recharging, but we also want to be respectful of a person's need for sleep. We've got to look at it as everyone supports each other, new mothers, help with the cleaning, help bring food to a new mother who's really, it's important they get plenty of sleep. Sleep deprivation and new motherhood, postpartum depression, it's linked. Teenagers having problems with drug abuse, risk-taking behaviors, a lot of that is due to lack of sleep. So we really have to have a lot of open dialogue with family members, with educators, and with policymakers. Some of our high schools are starting at 7.30 in the morning. That's what time I went to high school. And it was brutal because teenagers have a biological propensity to go to bed late and sleep late. But instead, we're blaming teenagers for being lazy instead of looking at it as we should. The most important things we can do is reframe it so it becomes a positive. Don't engage in bedtime battles with your kids. If there's problems going to sleep, there's so many great solutions that can help offset those. But we've got to be calm and understanding and know going to bed late if you're good. You get to stay up late if you're good or go to bed early if there's a behavior problem. Don't you sleep that way. But just have an overall rethinking of it and sort of a prioritization. And again, making sure it's from every age that every age person in your family, your coworkers, and everyone at work understands the importance of it and doesn't dismiss it. Because it's often sort of laughed off as who needs it. And I tell you, every day, every day, people tell me they don't need much sleep and that they have learned how to get by on less. And you know what? That's not something you learn and they haven't. They're not getting by because in two more sentences, they'll tell me how many health problems they have that are all linked to lack of sleep. You can't cheat it at all. You've got to rethink it and make it a priority. Yeah. Whoever coined that term, I'll sleep when I'm dead or I'll sleep when I'm six feet under. I just do not agree with that whatsoever. It is so So important that we have one body and to make sure that we take care of it to its fullest so that we can show up as the best version of ourselves. Thank you so much for joining. I appreciate it. And for those of you listening, I know you know somebody out there who's not getting enough sleep. So I invite you to share today's episode with them and provide them with the tools to get better quality sleep. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks, Danielle. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Grit Podcast with Danielle Cobo. If you found today's episode resonating and inspiring, 
kindly take a moment to craft a review. Your review holds the potential for Apple and Spotify to share the Unstoppable Grit podcast with others. Furthermore, consider extending the ripple effect by sharing this episode with those around you, family, friends, colleagues, and anyone who could benefit from the insights and stories shared here. Also, be sure to visit daniellecobo.com for more resources on cultivating resilience and unleashing your inner grit. We'll be back soon with another empowering episode. Until then, be unstoppable.